the practice of insight meditation is essentially concerned with exploring what it means to be awake, to be fully and wholeheartedly conscious in the very midst of our living experience. To explore and discover what is possible for us in this condition of our human existence. And so, this morning I'd just like to speak a little bit about the way we can usefully orient towards this practice and process and some of the frameworks we can begin to establish for practicing in this way. One of the curious things about any form of activity is and meditation is included in this, it seems to me that we will quite quickly start to engage in an activity in ways that reflect our tendencies and our patterns. And uh, meditation practice is something that invites us to become free of the entanglement in and the compulsion of patterns and habits. But initially, we inevitably will find them playing out. And it's really important just to acknowledge this as a, as a, as a reference for what will be taking place. The, the journey of meditation is equally about noticing what happens when we're practicing, as it is about somehow performing a particular task or function within the practice that we might think of as the formal meditative technique or the the tool and form that we're picking up and engaging with. To be a human being is to be in contact with experience, to be subject to, to be impacted by what arises within us, what comes to us from what we call the outside, and to to inhabit this interface, this place in which experience is encountered, is to have the opportunity to see what serves us, what serves our well-being most deeply. And one of the primary things that we will notice and encounter is the, the strong and at times it's can seem compelling tendency of our, of our mental activity to become dominating, to take over, as it were, the field of experience and to seem to drive certain patterns of response or reactivity. So the initial invitation and orientation in the practice is to turn towards the simplicity and the immediacy of our experience. And within this, specifically, we will be using and encouraging and inviting you to use the body and the breathing as primary references 
as ways in which we can connect with, as avenues through which we can be in touch with, a sense of immediacy and a direct connectedness with our experience. So we, we make a conscious choice to put down the many realms of experience we could pursue or engage with, not to push them away, not to in any way judge or reject any field of our experience, including the realm of thinking or patterns of reactivity, not to judge or reject any such thing, but to, to acknowledge that the, the complexity, the multiplicity, the uh, intensity of what for most of us is our familiar experience makes it very hard for a, a sense of settledness or steadiness or focus to be established. And a, a primary intention and orientation within this practice is to establish such a quality, a gatheredness, a collectedness, a, an ability to both direct the attention to and sustain the attention in what it is we might choose to attend to. Without such training, our attention tends to be captured by whatever is strongest or loudest or in some way most compelling to our, our familiar patterning, whatever that, whatever that might be for us. And so making a choice to turn our attention to something simple, something perhaps at first instance not so entertaining or not seeming to be so exciting, or, although of course we may find the breath and the body quite entertaining or exciting, and in fact one only has to briefly contemplate what it would be if it were to, for instance, if the breathing were to stop, it would suddenly become very exciting. But the fact that that is actually possible and does actually happen quite regularly for human beings like ourselves, somehow we don't really pay attention to that and therefore we may not consciously attend to the experience of breathing outside of such formal practices as meditation. But that, that sense of turning towards, coming into contact with, becoming intimate with our simple and immediate physical bodily experience, which is expressed initially as a, a sitting, as we are sitting, and breathing as we are breathing, being the, in a way, primary elements of what's taking place. But in that understanding, this is not somehow a definition of the meditation. This is simply what we use in the context of the sitting posture as the primary reference. The meditation itself centers much more around the intentionality with which we turn towards the possibility of being present, being conscious and awake in contact with what's happening right here and right now, letting go of the world and realms of past, not seeking after or pursuing the realms and worlds of future, but just honoring by our willingness to engage, to meet, to attend to, honoring the immediacy of our life, 
which has in truth a remarkable degree of possibility to offer us of potential for deepening, for awakening, for opening. And for some of us we'll notice our tendency when engaging with a with a practice, with a function that has a task within it, paying attention to an experience, that we, we will have certain patterns and tendencies as to how that plays out. And even when we talk about, you know, paying attention, it kind of might evoke for some of us the sense of being told to pay attention at school, you know, with some kind of rather strong or harsh sort of coercive element being applied. And uh, this is also often the way we are, we might associate the language of concentration, which is commonly used in the meditative world. You know, concentrate, it's like there's a certain effort we are required to engage in. And of course there is an effort, a conscious engaging of our energy that's required here. And yet if we notice a tendency to, to push or to force in any way, we'll also come to notice that that isn't really so helpful. That this is not a process which we force, but which we invite and we guide through our intentionality and through a a certain dedication, a certain willingness to give ourselves fully and wholeheartedly to this process. Even if in any given moment we're not quite sure whether it's useful working or makes any sense at all, but that we somehow are willing to trust in the, in the possibility that perhaps our own previous experience or the, just the experience of many other people such as ourselves who have gone before us have come to recognize that this is actually a really valuable and powerful way to engage with our life And what is possible for us. So that we're not trying to get somewhere. We're not trying to make something happen. And yet we're really wholeheartedly interested in. And dedicating ourselves to exploring what is possible. Right here in these conditions. And in the next moment in whatever conditions those might be. What is possible for me to be really here, wholeheartedly present. And so, for some of us, we have to be aware of the tendency to tighten and to push. It's very common in our modern, sort of high-tech culture. And for others, we may need to be aware of the tendency to kind of, oh, well, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll sort of put a little effort in you know, not really too bothered about this. It's reasonably comfortable here. There seem to be meals turning up now and then. You know, some of us will have that tendency. Most of us, of course, will have a bit of both. But with that tendency, just to notice, actually, what is it that's important that brings you here? It's, it's, it's actually really helpful for us to, to be in touch with a sense of what's important in our lives that means we choose to be here for this retreat, for this sitting, 
for this moment. It's not just because it's on a schedule or because the teachers said it would be a good idea, I hope. It's because there's something that in your heart, in your life, is calling, is asking, is inviting you into an exploration of what is, we could say, what is true, what is possible, what is meaningful, what is rich, what is alive. And the, the vehicle of our moment-to-moment experience is the, the place in which that exploration takes place. So we begin with a simplifying of our experience to support a steadying, a gathering, a collecting, and a focusing, and we could also say a harmonizing of the mental activity and the physical bodily experience. Bringing them into contact by bringing the attentiveness to the body, turning the mind to the somatic experience of what it is that's taking place as we sit here, as our body sits upon the earth, as it breathes, drawing air into the body, releasing it from the body. These simple phenomenal experiences become the area of interest. And the the basis for a gathering and steadying of our attention. And that attentiveness, as it gathers and steadies, becomes more able then to actually hold and to penetrate more fully in to the experience that's taking place. And we'll say quite a bit more about that as we go through the days. But initially, the invitation, the orientation is towards the the gathering, the collecting, the focusing that comes through just drawing the attention close, turning the attention again and again towards the felt experience of body sitting, breathing. And so, as you're sitting just now, taking a moment to really notice your body, to feel what is it that lets you know that you have a body, if you weren't looking at it or thinking about it, but the direct felt experience. And we may notice some particular characteristics within that of the the way the weight of the body presses down upon the cushion, the chair, the bench, the floor, the firmness, hardness, solidity, density, whatever it is that you notice in that contact with the ground and contact with the earth. It's useful if you're sitting in a chair to have your feet on the ground. if you can, so that you're in contact with the earth. And if you're sitting on a cushion and your knees or legs don't really touch the ground, it's useful to put something under them so they do. 
But for now, just noticing what contact you have is there. Noticing also the upright quality of the body, the way it rises from the earth in, in an expression of verticality, of uprightness. And uh, the space around and above you, which allows it to do so, which perhaps we could say invites it to do so, to, to sit upright. And so unless you have some particular vulnerability or injury with the back, again, I would really encourage that you sit in a self-supporting way, upright. So if you need to use a chair, that's fine, but to sit so you're not collapsing against the back of the chair. Likewise with the back jacks, the uh, sort of the metal seats for sitting on the floor. Generally more useful not to be leaning back into one of those, unless you have a particular bodily issue that you need to take care of through that extra support. Something of dignity and nobility expressed in the simple human willingness to be upright, supported by the earth, but also supporting oneself in this way. And one of the useful ways to sense into it is just to feel the space between the between the pelvis and the and the, the sternum, uh, the breastbone, the ribs, the space of the abdomen is not collapsing, which was what tends to happen easily for many of us, so used as we are to sitting in comfortable chairs or slouching. And just feeling that space in the body that is supported by the uprightness of the posture. In the space above the sky that allows us this capacity to be upright, the sense of possibility that it calls us to. And just relaxing with that, allowing some ease, some softness in the body where it doesn't need to be tight or hard. where we might habitually hold tension. We can just become aware of that, not trying to force it to relax, but inviting it to, so far as it is able, so far as we can allow that. And so within this sitting body, noticing just now what you notice, that lets you know your body is breathing? What is it that's taking place in the felt experience that signals, that informs, that lets you know that air is being drawn into your body as it breathes in, and the air is drawn up through the nostrils and travels down the throat to the chest, which expands and the belly rises. And noticing what it is that lets you know that you're breathing out as the as the belly drops and the 
the chest softens and falls and the air moves up through the throat and out through the nostrils. And we may notice very specific points in this experience that stand out for us. We may have a sense of the whole flow through that region of the body, the ripple of sensation that comes and forms and shapes and changes with each breath. And we may likewise have a sense of the whole body sitting, the air around us being drawn into the space within. And the space within releasing the breath into the space around us. And this body so deeply connected to what is around it. The space and in fact all bodies around us sharing in this breathing. If you don't have any sense of the breathing taking place, if it's not something you notice, and that's okay, particularly if you're maybe new to this kind of practice. But equally, if for some reason that's just what's there for you, you may find it useful. And if so, you're welcome to just place the soft open palm of your hand in contact with the the middle upper abdomen, lower chest. It's in the middle of the torso region. Just allowing the hand to be soft, gently in contact. And you'll notice that this probably makes the experience of breathing more clear in particular. And if you find this helpful, you're very welcome to employ this as a support for establishing this this awareness and sensitivity with regard to breathing in and breathing out. But it's not required, just if you find it useful. And really this is always the benchmark of practice to see what is useful. And yet we also need to be willing to sustain our engagement, not just uh, adjusting because we're not sure if something is working. Over time we learn the lessons of what serves here. And some real degree of patience and gentleness and also courage is called from us to sustain practice in this way. And so my suggestion with this is just to tune in to the flow of the breathing that's taking place. Not too quickly narrowing the focus around one particular location. But if something is standing out and clear to you, allowing that to be central within the field of your attention. But allowing your attention also to include the movement through the whole pathway the breathing takes. At least some of the time.
And it may be also that as you tune into and sense that flow of breathing, that you just have a sense of the whole body, which breathes with each in-breath and out-breath. All the cells of the body too partake of this. And so again, having perhaps the larger part of your attention within the specific sensations connected directly with the the movement of breathing in your body. But if you find it useful, including a, a sense of the wholeness of the body in which that breathing process is taking place. And if you find your tendency is towards being kind of a little scattered or fragmented, might be useful just to gather the attention in. To be a little more particular in your focus. And if the tendency is to kind of more strongly or effortfully force with your attention or find yourself doing that, then, then actually make the field of attention slightly softer, slightly wider. So the intention is simply to be present and awake, making use of this body breathing experience as the vehicle for that. And then within that we explore what serves this, what allows this. And as we do so, of course, there will be moments in which our attention is drawn to other things, naturally. And in this it's important to meet whatever comes with a sense of kindness and allowance, but at the same time to be clear that our intention here is to not pick up, to not need to pursue, but neither also to not push away what is going on or what arises. So there may be patterns of thinking, emotional processes, various sensations taking place in the body, not particularly connected with the breathing it may seem. And there may be images that arise or sounds of what's going on around us. All this can simply be noticed if it comes to attention. And having been noticed, just turning the attention back, returning, reconnecting with the simple field of body sitting, breathing. And this being our place of homecoming for now, moment by moment. So making no obstacles out of the experiences that may come to us. And being interested to see what's possible here for you, just for now, in this moment.
with this body sitting here. Just as it is. Breathing in and breathing out. Just as it does. Being mindful, awake and conscious of this experience. Just as you are.
reconnecting again and again. Whenever you become aware that your attention has been drawn away from this simple immediate experience of body sitting, breathing. Just turning again towards this body breathing. Connecting and sustaining your attention so far as you are able. Being close with this experience. Sitting, breathing, right here, right now.
for the last minute or two of the meditation, just continuing to connect and sustain your attention in this field of experience that we call body, breathing, sitting as you are right here. Good, please stretch for a moment, move your limbs. Good, Um, just a few words on walking practice. Mindfulness training hinges on training of attention. We'll have later opportunity to clarify what is what. But all mindfulness begins with learning to strengthen, sustain, and uh, train uh, types of attention. When we sit, we have a maximum degree of stillness. Often our eyes closed, there is very little movement. Um, There is very little sense impingement, particularly our visual sense is uh, quiet, largely quiet. Um, When we walk, things are obviously different. We have more things going, we have motor sensations, we have... um, I would definitely recommend you keep your eyes open when you walk, yeah? So you have visual impressions and if you just juxtapose these two modes of practice it may feel as if sitting is easier just because there is less sense impingement. And in some level this is, on some level this is true, because of less sense impingement it's more easy to um, strengthen the stability aspect of mindfulness. So there's different dimensions of mindfulness, and obviously they, they all uh, are worthy to be trained. The stability aspect, if we maximize on this, will become into will will grow into calm and stillness. 
However, in walking, we train something else. We train, let's call it fluidity. Yeah, it's the capacity of attention to stay with something while it's moving. Okay? Less stability, more sense impingement, and we're trying to cultivate the adhesive quality okay, of our attentional focus to a chosen object. As Jana has already mentioned, uh, a part of mindfulness training is identifying tasks. Yeah. Our, mind, uh, our minds do wander. wander. Mind wandering is a natural phenomenon. Uh, it may even be indispensable. Uh, it's quite likely that we don't need to do as much of it as we habitually do. Yeah. I think that's a fair statement. Um, so, in many ways, mind-wandering uh, does render us unhappy. You know? The wandering mind is an unhappy mind. Uh, default mode network, as the jargon uh, for this phenomenon in nowadays neural languages uh, goes, default mode network is not a happy state. It's basically something we habitually uh, reprocess memories, hoping to anticipate or sometimes apprehend what is going to happen. Very little of that is actually terribly useful. Most of it is what uh, some schools of psychotherapy call autobiographic rumination. Okay, it's a it's a prime feature of uh, depression relapse. In the simple language of Buddhist teaching, if I may quote one of my teachers, he said, if I want to feel depressed, all I do is I think a little bit about myself. Okay? I trust you're here because you are aware of this and you have some personal experience of this. We, I would take... Uh, I only take meditators serious if they have some idea of depression. Their own capacity for depression seems to be a sign of... Uh, growing up. So walking meditation means a shift of focus from the stability aspect we, we primarily train when we sit to an aspect of fluidity. Now the walking situation often resembles our everyday life situations much more than the sitting situation. So whatever we cultivate in walking meditation is highly applicable to our everyday life situations. So, with this little preface, uh, the instructions are fairly straightforward. Um, you don't get anywhere with walking meditation. Okay, so the most of the time when we walk, we walk somewhere. We don't actually want to be where we are. We want to get somewhere. And walking meditation, in a beautiful way, frustrates that goal-oriented. Uh, uh, aspiration. Basically, whatever is important in walking meditation doesn't just happen at the end of your walking path. You will quickly find out. Yeah. So you'd like to establish a bodily awareness very much in the spirit of centering, anchoring, stabilizing your posture, kind of building up, and then scanning quickly through your body, looking for balance, equilibrium and getting in touch with the tone yeah so where do you actually stand how much 
How much do you lean into this? Or can you allow yourself to be carried? Those would be useful questions to establish the beginning, the standing part. And then you make a choice of a particular length for your path. Uh, anything between, you know, 10, 10 meters, 20 meters, something like that. Uh, there are varying opinions about the usefulness of shortness or uh, longitude of this. So whatever you do, make a choice where your beginning and your end is. Walking meditation has clear beginnings and clear endings. Don't try to be original. So It's not a walk, although it is possible to do a mindful walk through the forest, but that's not really walking meditation. That's not really our exercise. So do that in the midday break. Uh, when you do walking meditation, go to a place Choose a particular stretch with a clear beginning and a clear ending. And then establish your posture. And then you focus your attention. My suggestion would be not on the breath, but on what is easier than the breath, namely the touch sensations in your feet. In fact, the shift in the touch sensations in your feet. Yeah, So uh, just weighting your feet, then... If you make small steps, you can just go with your attention to the foot that moves, okay, while the other one still stays in place. And then you noticed just the movement, the weighting, the rolling, the lifting. Those would be the touch sensations, yeah. connecting to the actual feeling. You don't need to label this. You don't need to break it down into 16 parts and... Uh, you know, mercilessly try to keep track of the sequence. Just feel, yeah. When it is likely that your mind will wander off, and then you invite your mind to return to that task. Gently, um, motherly, resolute, if that helps you. Uh, friendly, smile at yourself, but keep reaffirming that this is your anchor focus. Touch sensations in the feet while you walk. At the end of that path, you stop. You take stock where your attention is actually with your touch sensations. If not, you bring it back. You turn, you scan through your body, and then you return. Okay? That sounds easier than it is. That's the case with all meditation instructions. They sound treacherously simple. And in fact, uh, there's many things we don't tell you. Yeah. But you quickly find out that it's not so easy as it is described. Yeah. When this happens, consider this is the practice. You know, this is not the problem that you need to get rid of before you can practice. Okay? The thing that comes up that stops you from simply fulfilling the task we ascribed, uh, this is the practice. So it's not your personal curse. It's not... Uh, a particular impediment you have, uh, probably congenital and probably incurable. Uh, this is the practice. You know? So do not believe any such thoughts. Uh, acknowledge these are thoughts, and thoughts may be true or may be false. Even the true ones are often not terribly useful. Um, and if you're in doubt, don't believe them. Okay. The great freedom of this is you don't have to believe what goes on in your head. Okay. We're a lot better off if we don't always believe what goes on in our head. So, 
The important piece I have forgotten, <coughs> the most important piece is actually getting out there and doing it. Yeah? That means past the tea station, uh, past your bedroom, past the many tempting opportunities. Uh, go out there and practice the continuity of attentional focus on the sensations of the feet. Yeah? We'll hear more of this and see you back in here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.